All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate uh, having you out here at the old podcast. Tim's here. Tim, how you doing back in North Carolina? Reacclimating. The booze leave your system yet? It's been a couple days since you were down in fireballs at the the club. I did have fireball. Um, it's funny. We posted our predictions earlier this week, and there was a couple funny comments on Facebook and Instagram of people being like, uh, Tim's still recovering. Those predictions, something's not right. His brain's not firing on all cylinders. So I had, a, I had a nice laugh at that. The bold predictions? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I'm still uh, – I'm a little disappointed in your showing for that. Maybe you were coming off the weekend. They weren't too bold. They were not that bold. That's all. I'll just leave it there. I don't think either of ours were crazy bold either. One thing that I didn't really understand is you got a lot of comments saying Kane would never go to Calgary. And I don't know if I agree with that, especially if it's going to be a rental short term with a team that's probably going to be a cup contender. The Canadian thing wouldn't matter for like two months. Like, why would that be something that people would say could never happen? Well, no, all those people who write that are Kane's best friends. So, no, they know. They know. So that's why I'm wrong. So, though, yeah, those people know. Who know? I, I don't know where he's going. I just think I, I look at the scenario. I look at the, the teams that will be contenders at that point in the season. And if I'm Patrick Kane, put yourself in Kaner's shoes, anybody. You want to win another Stanley Cup. You're getting older. You're leaving Chicago. That's That's a foregone conclusion. Him and Jonathan Taves are gone. When you look at the teams in the NHL, where, where can I go to win the Stanley Cup, Tim? There was really only six, maybe seven teams that that that, that could win the Stanley Cup. You got Carolina, you got the Rangers, you got Toronto, Tampa, Florida, Colorado, and Calgary and Edmonton. Those are my teams right there. How many is that? That's three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams. You look at each team's situations. Carolina's pretty solid on the right side. The Rangers need a lot of help on the right side. Toronto, Tampa, and Florida. And this goes without saying anybody would love to have Patrick Kane. But the teams that have the biggest need on the right-hand side, Colorado's set. 
Edmonton set. Calgary and the Rangers are the two teams that could benefit most from having Evander Kane. And I just think... Patrick. Patrick. Patrick Kane. Yeah, excuse me. Calgary has a better chance to win the Stanley Cup than the New York Rangers. In my eyes at this point in time, maybe four months from now, the Rangers do something. They're playing well. Maybe the Calgary experiment doesn't work. But that's all I'm going off of. Who cares? Whatever. I'm not just going on and like let's let's search bold predictions and parrot what everybody else says. These are my thoughts. I break it down. I look at where the season's heading. I put myself in Patrick Kane's shoes, and this is what I could see happening. So that's all. But yeah, everybody's entitled to their opinion. But to say it will never happen because uh, you don't know. You don't know, Patrick. I have Patrick Kane's phone number in my phone. He is my friend. I know him more than you do. Suck on that one. Yeah. Right, Tim? That's right. That's right. That's right. All right. Let's get into the show. There was a big signing. The The last really big restricted free agent, the unknown, finally inked a deal. Jason Robertson for the Dallas Stars coming off a fantastic would you call it a sophomore season? I would. He played one game his rookie season. That That's out the window. Fantastic sophomore season. 41 goals. Just led the Dallas Stars first line. Him and Rupe Hintz and Joe Pavelski, friend of the show. Really, really great season by him. Back and forth this offseason with the, the general manager of the Dallas Stars, Jim Nill. Most people thought he was going to sit out some games to start the season. Big, big uncertainty. As it happens... Trade rumors swirling. He's going here. He's going there. All of that can be thrown out the window. He signs a four-year deal worth $7.75 million annually. Very strange because when I first saw this, my initial reaction was win for the team, win for Robertson. Takes him to the UFA years. He's going to cash in when the cap rises. You do a little more digging, he's going to be an RFA when this when this is done. What is going on? Steal for the Dallas Stars, my initial reaction. Swing and a miss for Jason Robertson. But then you do a little more digging, and it also works out for both of them. What did you think of this contract, Tim? And then we'll compare it to other contracts that have just been given up. But initial reaction, Jason Robertson's four years, 7.75 per year. Do you like it? Uh, I like it for Dallas. I don't understand this deal. That's the first thing I thought of. It's like all these big, you know, if you want to compare them, like all these big UFA, RFA deals, the young players, their long-term contracts are all making eight, nine, ten schmil. And Robertson's name doesn't get like brought up among those upper echelon of 23, 24 and under players, but he is very, very good. I think if he was playing in New York, we'd be talking about him a lot more. This is a kid who just came off of 41 goals in only 74 games last season. He's got 125 points playing in 128 NHL games. This kid is a legit possible superstar in the making and I don't understand why someone like him is making less money per year and less term and will be in RFA at the end of this like you said than a Nick Suzuki or Josh Norris in Ottawa it doesn't make any sense to me especially when you look at the comparables it doesn't make sense and this is why I think you never know how the negotiations go Robertson's got one of the best agents in the business he, he's represented by um, Pat Brisson that guy represents everybody. He, he's the top dog. He is the 
who's the big guy in football who represents all the the high end football players? His name is escaping me right now, but he, he's just like he's the guy in hockey. This Pat Brisson. I wonder how much of a factor Dallas playing in Dallas and the no state tax comes into play here for negotiations. If if the Dallas Stars can use that for their advantage and say, hey, listen, I know it's seven point seven five. But guess what you're taking home? You're taking 7.75 home. You're not getting a 20% state state tax. You're not getting a California state tax. I bet you that plays a big part in this because if, if you're signing like a Matt Barzal, for example, you just you just mentioned him. What did he sign for? A $9 million? What was his? Nine point something? Yeah, yeah 9.25 over eight years, I think. Matt Barzal's not home, taking home nine something. He's taking home in the range of seven, six million. And that's just state tax. That's not escrow. That's not other things. But you take off his state tax, he, he's not taking home nearly as much. Whereas Jason Robertson's getting a full 7.75. That, Texas ain't touching any of that, babe. They got zero state tax. So I wonder if that comes into play. The other reason I love this contract for Jason Robertson. He's not getting 7.75 per year. Bing, 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 bing. That's his AAV. His last year of his contract, he is taking home $9.3 million. Why would you do that? Why would you backload this contract? Well, he is arbitration eligible his last year. And the way the arbitration works is you have to, your arbitration has to be more than your last year, your contract's value. So his last year of his contract's value is $9.3 million. So when he hits the arbitration, he knows it's going to be more than that if he files for arbitration, if they can't come to an agreement before that before that time. So that's a little win for Jason Robertson. The salary cap's going up. There's going to be more money in the system. The Dallas Stars are going to be moving on from the two albatross, albatross contracts of Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn. They're going to have a lot of money to spend. He's hoping that he just cashes in in four years. But it's a, it's a big risk. It's a huge risk. What if he goes out in four years and just is, has average years, 25 goals, 30 goals? He's not going to get that big raise. He, even if he does file for arbitration, the Dallas Stars will say, yeah, we're not going to pay you $10 million. So I don't know. Who, who wins this in your eyes, Dallas or Robertson? Well, that's a good insight. I hadn't thought about like the actual – the hockey finance happening behind the scenes there with, with that negotiation and arbitration, all that. So that definitely tips the scales a little bit, but I still think it's Dallas. They're, they're locking up a, a young superstar like this for four years at a team-friendly deal. And part of it, too, is like, think about how this compares to the other teams, the other players on this team and their contract years. You've got three more years of Ben, five more years of Sagan, four more years of Mason Marchment, like some of the older guys, like it kind of lines up with their window and it gives them an opportunity to see what these younger players will do over the next couple of years. And then whether they go into a rebuild in 2025 or they kind of double down on the players and the the core that they're building. So I I like it. I think it's a good, I think it's a good move for them. This team is now rebuilding in five years. They have their core locked in, Tim. They got Miro Heiskanen. He's 23 years old right now. He's locked in long-term. They got their goalie, Ottinger, locked in for three years. He'll be an RFA after three years. He's going to cash in. Then you got Jason Robertson locked in for four years. He's going to be an RFA. They are planning these contracts, the length of them. They wanted to stagger Ottinger and Robertson so they don't get hit with two massive $11 million contracts 
back to back. They're not going to give Ottinger eleven million. He'll probably make in the seven million dollar range. But they are staggering them so they can plan. They're not going to be doling out massive contracts. I like what they're doing. This team is setting itself up for success in the future while still maintaining just some competitive balance here in the present. No one's going to, you know, think they're going to win a Stanley Cup this year, but they're going to be a good team. I like where the Dallas Stars are heading. Jim Neal has done a very good job maneuvering this team, even with the aforementioned Sagan and bed contracts. You get Joe Pavelski locked up to a decent term this year, or not term, decent number 5.5. He's going to put in 35 goals. If you get a 35 goal score at $5.5 million, that's terrific. You get Robertson to, to ink for four years and you still have control over him after that. You get your star goaltender to, to do a bridge deal for three years and you're still under, he's still under control after that. After watching everybody else sign seven, eight, eight year deals around, around the league. It's, it's an amazing feat what they're doing, especially when you're looking at the comparables, when you look at Patrick Line's contract that he just signed a four year, $8.7 million contract. Who would you rather have Robertson or Line? Line is a proven goal scorer. We know that, but gosh, is he streaky? He is incredibly streaky and he's a bit of a diva. Robertson goes out. He's a point per game guy. His first two years, He's quiet as a church mouse. You don't hear much from him. Puts in 41 goals, and this is no sliding Rupe Hintz and Joe Pavelski. But he's playing with Joe Pavelski, who's 37 years old, and Rupe Hintz, who's he's, he's an okay first-line center. You put Robertson with, with some, and I know I did this with, with Kirill Kaprizov, and it upset Matt Zuccarello, but, you know, you, you got to call a spade a spade. This Robertson kid is good. And you're getting him for 7.75 for four years? After Columbus just gave up four for 8.7 for Patrick Laine, it's like, oof, oof. Jim Neal, he, he, he's doing work in Dallas. He's looking pretty good, looking pretty good indeed. So, yeah, you, you compare it to the other bridge deals, Kirill Kaprizov, he's better than he is. Miko Rantanen, he, he's better at this point than Jason Robertson, but not that much better. You know, I don't, I don't think the gap is that big. And those guys are making nine, $9.25 million. So, Jim Neal. Good for you. It's not often you see a GM with a win these days. Usually the players have, have all the leverage. It's a big win for the Dallas Stars. It's a huge win. I don't know how else you can you can look at this other than a massive steal for Jim Nill and the Dallas Stars. It's it's nice to see. It's very nice to see. And one of the things that was ta- being talked about online is the idea that even though technically he'll be an RFA at the end of this, he's going to have all the power, all the bargaining chips in, in his stack, uh, just like similar to Matthew, Matthew Kachuk, who was an RFA, but he could basically dictate the situation. It seems like Robertson will be in a similar place when his contract is up as well. Yeah, and Maybe I, even I better earlier. I misspoke yeah. earlier. His qualifying offer has to be at least $9.3 million that the, that the Dallas Stars or anybody else gives him. So he knows coming off his four-year deal now, his qualifying offer will have an AAV of $9.3 million. Not okay. the arbitration. I misspoke. His, his qualifying offer, which is a big thing because he's he's going to want a seven- or eight-year deal from the Dallas Stars after this. And if you're – if your starting point's nine point three, that's not a bad place to be. You're looking at sixty million plus if it's a if it's an eight year deal. So good for Jason Robertson. Good for the Dallas Stars. I, I really like this team. I really really like this team. Like I said, if if they can just 
there's no way they're going to move those two contracts. But Tim and I were talking before we, we started taping. Imagine, just imagine, if you will, imagine with me, if you could replace Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan with anybody else in the NHL who makes as much as they do. And those guys make 985 and 95. And when you go on Cap Friendly, which we do, and you go to active players and you search them out, the, the players making that much money are the creme de la creme in the NHL. If you can just take two guys out of that group, you're winning Stanley Cups if you're the Dallas Stars. Maybe that's the frustrating point if you're Jim Nill and you're looking at this and you're looking at the the production you're getting based on what you're paying out. It's not there, the ROI. But if you can get guys like Mitch Marner, guys like Johnny Gaudreau, guys like Mark Stone, all of these type players are just playing a Matthew Kachuk, an Adam Fox, a Kucherov, an Ovechkin, a Rantanen. Uh, it, it must. Do you lose sleep if you're Jim Nil, knowing that you're wasting $20 million on two guys? And if you use that $20 million, you could really like, have, have banners hanging in the rafters. It, you losing sleep over that, Tim? Yeah, well, he obviously has. He's been outspoken about it. So I'm sure this is very, very frustrating for him. So a, a win like this with the Robertson contract is something he probably needed to help him sleep at night. So is this – and here's another question. Do other owners look at their GMs and and go, why Why do you have to sign Nick Suzuki to so much money? Why are you, why are you giving that guy so much money – when Robertson's only getting 7.7. there? Do you think there's conversations being had between owners and GMs or presidents and GMs right now because of this? This is a steal. There's there's no way there's no way around it. This is a great deal for the Dallas Stars. I think other GMs are getting a little in trouble. They're having a call with the president of the owner right now saying, what are we doing here? Norris and Ottawa, Suzuki, Montreal. The, that's a lot of money being paid out for those guys and they're I don't want to say they're nowhere near Jason Robertson, but Jason Robertson's better. Yeah, I wonder how much of it, like, maybe you'll say not at all, but just the, the, the um, Dallas's cap situation, they're basically at the cap exactly with this new contract in the book. So that has some factors, like, you couldn't really ask for more because then Dallas can't make it work. So it's just like, it's basically the max that they could afford for this year. Did that factor in or not for uh, Jason Robertson? No, he doesn't care about his team situation. No, not not one one bit whatsoever. So I no. He he want he wanted the most he could get. No. No, but good for good for Jason Robertson. It's nice to get him back in the fold. The Dallas Stars have to be excited this season's gosh. He's going to get no preseason action also. That's going to be a win for him. Anytime you can miss the preseason, preseason. That's fantastic. He might get in one game at the end, but he's he's just going to start skating. I'm excited to see him. So in uh, in our fantasy league, is that a player that you're avoiding because he's going to come in a little bit cold? No, no, he's 23 years old. You know, yeah, he, he's not sitting on the couch eating potato chips. Tim, he's he's working his tail off. This is this is he might have a better year this year than he did last year. The guy he he's a certified superstar in this league. He really is. He scored 41 goals last year, second year in the league. Playing on the playing with the guys, they're going to be more familiar. The, I'm expecting big things out of him, so yes, I would definitely draft him in in our fantasy league. Tim and I are just doing a league, just him and I, just heads up. That's all we're doing. Just just teasing, but yeah, he he's on my radar. He will be a second round guy for me. Just so you know, is that wow. high? Is that a high pick? 
That's high. He's probably ranked in like the fourth or fifth round, I would guess. Are you kidding me? A guy who got 40 goals? Well, it's hard to tell because all the draft data didn't, people didn't pick him very early because there was no contract yet. So uh, now he might be, yeah, he might be a little bit further down the rankings than he should be. So could work in our favor. Someone will take him. Someone will be very happy. Hopefully no one listens to this show. We'll keep it between <laughs> us. All right. Mentioning he's only going to play one preseason game. Final days of preseason, Tim Arponis. It's a very nerve-wracking time. Did you ever try out for a team, Tim? An NHL team? No, any team in general. <laughs> of course. You did? Yeah. Did you make? like what, what was it like? Because it's different in the NHL where it's such a prolonged experience where, where tryouts are a month long, essentially, if, if you're a guy trying to make the team. Were yours just like a one day, let's let's do it, hit it and quit it? Either you make the team or you're done? No, but I'm talking about I didn't play juniors or anything. So it's like high school, club hockey in college, a couple of weeks maybe, um, mostly run by the captains and the coaches. And, yeah, it was always nerve-wracking, but made it. So, But you it wasn't did? like I wasn't a lock. Like I was like, a, I hope I make this team. Not like, hey, what line am I playing on? And who's on the power play with me? It was like, a, I, want, I hope I make this team. That's what it was like. Yeah, it's a very nerve-wracking experience. And we were just batting around ideas what to talk about. And one of them that came up was, what are the players going through at this point? Especially the players on the bubble, especially the unknowns. Because every year, every team has some positions up for grab, Up for grabs, excuse me. Not many. Usually the goalies are locked in. Usually the top six defensemen, the top three lines are, are locked in, solidified. It's, it's the bottom. It's the extras. It's the guys who they're going to bring along the healthy scratches. Those are the ones that are up for grabs. And it's always so nerve-wracking, whether you're a rookie coming in, a guy who's been in the league for a couple years, who's, who's had a, a taste of the NHL, called up here or there. You want, you want a, a solidified spot in the lineup. You don't want to be that guy, that taxi guy who's always – Got to have your phone on you. Bring your passport on the road because you might get called up at any second and you're just going to get sent down three days later when they don't need you anymore. It's a nerve-wracking time. So we just wanted to just talk about what it's like at this time of year. You've played a couple preseason games. You've already gone through the first round of cuts, the second round of cuts, the locker room shrinking. Everybody's in the main locker room now because the way camp works, you want to have as many guys as you can to start camp. Just to reduce injuries, reduce the wear and tear on the older guys. You want to be able to scrimmage. You want to be able to see everybody. So you just invite everybody. All your draft picks, some undrafted players. The first week of camp, there is probably 60 guys there, maybe 50. There's a lot of bodies around. You whittle that down pretty quickly once you get closer to the preseason games. Once the games begin, you have two teams, 40 guys. You're still in two separate locker rooms or the guys who are going to make the team. There's the guys who are in the tryouts. I remember my first couple camps with Minnesota. It was a big deal to make it to the main room, to dress in the main room. That's that's when you knew you were on the team. So I never got it to the main room until I was in my third year, just because it's hard to do. But as the as the dressing room whittles down, it's it's just very strange because you know the guys are in the other locker room who have made the team. And the other locker room that's usually like down the hall and around the corner, where wherever it is, that gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And as it gets smaller and smaller, your nerves just continue to increase, 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 because you know you're getting closer to your goal. So it's kind of neat. But yeah, this time of year, I, I bet you 
the roster size for every team is probably at 25, 26. And they go into the season at 23. So these are the hard decisions. And, and it's fun. It's nerve-wracking, but it's fun. So it'll be exciting to see who makes it. They did. Nashville Predators just released a video of one of their top prospects. Poye had him in the office, and he said, you're making the team. Congratulations. It was Cody Glass. He, he Like I just mentioned, he's been up and down for the last year, two years. Kid was tearing up. Very exciting, very emotional, because it's a huge thing. You train all your life for this this situation, and hey, you make the team. It was kind of neat that they videoed it and then embarrassed them all over the internet. It's sweet. So your your first year, you you made the AHL team, right? You got sent down, technically. Well, and technically, then- and this is how, this is a funny story. The, my first year, I was ready to go to the NHL camp, but. The rookie team, and this is this is old school. They would not do this anymore. This is very just classic Jacques Lemaire, who was just a hard-nosed old school coach. They went to the prospects tournament here in Traverse City, all the young kids, and I guess they performed terribly. They lost every game. There was no compete level, and Jacques Lemaire just said, you know what? Screw it. I don't want any of these guys at main camp. And so he didn't invite any young kids to the main camp, and I got grouped in with that group, and I got a call from, was it my agent or the assistant GM, like two days before I was supposed to go to Minnesota for the main camp. Now I'm training. I'm like going all in. I'm up at Michigan Tech because I was just training up there with my college guys. I was having really good skates. I was taking summer classes and I'm ready to go to camp. All my stuff's packed. I'm very excited. I'm saying goodbye to my wife. I get a call saying, you know what? Jacques is super pissed off. The prospects camp was a, was a complete total embarrassment. Which you weren't like, there for? I wasn't there. I wasn't there for it. I was too old or something for the prospects camp. I think the age limit was 21 and I was already 22 because I was I was an undrafted guy. And he's like, I don't want any of those kids at camp. And you got lumped in with them, so I'm sorry. So just report right to Houston. I was like, son of a bitch. Are you kidding me? I was so fired up. I wanted to go to camp. I was ready to go, going to skate with NHL players. This was going to be exciting. Just go to Houston. Re- report straight to Houston. I was so upset. He just gassed 25 kids because they had a bad weekend in Traverse City. And it's kind of funny how I live in Traverse City now. This is where my dreams were crushed at that time. But, yeah, he just said, no, you're not going to camp. So I had to wait a full season, which was probably good because usually you make a first impression. And I would have been nervous. I would have just maybe played bad. So who knows? Maybe that worked in my favor. But my first camp got canceled before I even got there, Tim. Well, you so a bunch of those guys must have been in Houston with you, right? What did they say about all this? Were they were they pretty pissed off? Well, I didn't know any of them. So yeah. it's not like I went in and be like, hey, you guys really blew it for me. <laughs> yeah. so I just showed up because yeah. I, was, I was not a lock to make the Houston team as it was. I, I was still – when I signed, they told me I was going to bounce back and forth between the East Coast and the AHL. And just practice, practice with the AHL team, play games in the East Coast. That was going to be my life for the first year in pro hockey. So I, I was looking forward to just going to camp in Houston. I was really looking forward to going to camp in Minnesota. That was going to be epic, but it just never happened. So I, I went in. Everybody was everybody was upset. Everybody. All those high draft picks like Benoit Pouliot, Sean Bell, Eric Reitz, Clayton Stoner, um, Ryan Hamilton, Danny Ehrman. Roman Voloshenko, these were all high-end, first, second-round draft picks. Everybody was pissed. And I was irate, but not as mad as these guys, because they they expected to make the NHL team. 
because there were spots open in Minnesota, they had no chance. Jacques Lemaire said, we're going to take our team. We'll take a few guys who we might think make the team. And if I was a veteran in Minnesota, I'd be super pissed too. I have to play every preseason game now. I have no young guys who are going to, you know, give me a rest. So if I'm Owen Nolan and Gabrick and Nick Backstrom and Miku Koiv and all these guys, I'm super pissed too. All because of these young kids had a bad weekend in Traverse City. Jacques Lemaire just said, screw it. I don't even want them on the ice. We're going with the old guys, and that's that's what we're doing. So, okay, and then your second year you go to camp, and then you end up getting cut from the NHL team and getting sent down to Houston again, right? Correct. Was there a conversation, or is it just like you see your name crossed out on a piece of paper in the hallway? What is that like? Well, this is one I was alluding to earlier, how I, I made it really far. I made it very, very far in the whole process, and it got to the point where I was having a conversation with Doug Reisbrower, who was the GM at the time, I was talking about that room that gets smaller and smaller and smaller. It was me and one other guy. I think it was Joel Ward. So it was me and Joel Ward in that locker room. Wardle went on to have a great career. Probably like another undrafted guy coming from a Canadian university. I had a conversation after camp. So I made it through the whole camp. I, I had a great camp. I was fighting. I was playing well. I was playing simple. And it was fantastic. But they already had seven defensemen on one-way contracts. So there was no room for me. They had Nick Schultz and Brent Burns and Eric Reitz and Martin Skula and uh, Kim Janssen. And they they had a lot of uh, – Sean Hill was there. Uh, they had a lot of guys on one-way contracts. So there was uh, – Keith Carney was there. Like Marc-Andre Bergeron, was he there? Bergie was there. So they I think that was a seven. There was no room for me. And so I knew I was getting sent down. I was just happy to be there. I, I beat out all the other high-end – prospects on defense the sean bells the clayton stoners these guys who thought they were better than me should have been better than me but i just i don't know why they just had a bad camp or maybe they weren't as good as they thought they were anyways i go into doug reisbauer's office i know i'm getting cut and this was the cool thing about this whole conversation was he sits me down and he goes i wish we could keep you i'm like cool keep me he's like but i can't there's no room for you and i knew that but just to hear those words coming out of his mouth, that was just a vote of confidence because I went into that AHL season just flying high. Because when I looked at the depth chart coming into that camp, there was a seven guys on one-way contracts, and then I felt I was the fourth guy in the AHL who would be called up because there was three guys ahead of me who I thought were earmarked for getting called up. But then all of a sudden, I leapfrogged those three guys during camp, and he's like, you'll be the first guy most likely called up unless we need a skill guy then we'll call somebody else up but he's like i wish we could keep you and that was great lo and behold everybody was super healthy during that year i think someone finally got injured around the christmas time mark and i got called up and then i stuck the rest of the season but i really only had one nhl camp where i wasn't on the roster just because of that whole debacle and then i i was on the roster after that after that year was my third season I signed a one-way contract, and I was like, I'm on a team. I don't even have to work out. Whatever. Pay me my money. So it's, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's a neat scenario. It's also sad to see guys because the way it works is after every practice, after every scrimmage, after every game, guys will get pulled into the office. You've probably seen movies. You've probably seen. It's not like in football where they wait to the hotel and they go give you a knock or they call you, come down to the – you know, you've seen hard knocks. All the guys go to their room and they call them. That's not how it works in the NHL. They pull you right from the weight room 
they pull you after after a game, after a practice. The coach will tell the PR guy or just somebody who works for the team, be like, okay, go get this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. And so you'll be working out and you'll see them come into the weight room and you go, Oh gosh, don't come, don't come my way. And and you just tap hey, hey, so and so wants to see you. And you have to follow them, you get cut, and then you're gone. That's it. So you know what's happening. It's it's such a weird feeling. It's so it's so incredibly weird. Everybody's there. Everybody knows what's happening, and there's nothing you can do about it. The guy comes in. You watch him walk around the room. You go, please don't come my way. He goes and taps your that guy who's your friend, but you're so happy he's not tapping you. You don't even feel bad for the guy. You're just like, yes, see you later. Well, and you go into the little room and he's gone. That was my other question, because all those conversations you're describing are happening right now around the league. I've been following, obviously, the Bruins most closely, and guys are getting cut every day. Is there, like, tension or competition among, like, do you, would you not have dinner with, like, a Clayton Keller during that, or Clayton Stoner during that week, because you guys are competing for the same spot? Is there a sort of, is it just business, and you're able to keep going? What's that like? Well, I wouldn't have dinner with them just because we weren't really friends. But that's, um, if we were friends... Um. Yeah, it would be tough. It would be very tough because you're in comp. It's a weird dynamic where you're on the, the same team, but they're my main competition. You know what I mean? So if it's a preseason game and I'm not playing that game and I'm watching him play, I'm like, turn the puck over. Please yeah. <laughs> make a mistake. Isn't that weird to think that? Because I should be rooting for him because he plays for the wild. I want overall success for the team but i'm in it for me man i want to make this team so anytime he made a made a mistake or turned the puck over or did something wrong or he got in a fight and didn't win it i'm like yes because it it just it's just another john's better than this defense not not necessarily clayton stoner because he did have another good nhl career but yeah you feel good when they make a mistake and then after the game, you go and you go, okay, he grabbed this guy and this guy. And then you, and you go to dinner or you go back to your hotel room and you look at the roster and you go, okay, who's, who's missing now? How many guys are left? What's next? And you do, you, it's almost like your own little fantasy team. It's like, okay, you look at the forwards, you look at the defense. Okay, they have a puck mover, a puck mover. I'm left-handed. Who, who's still here? What do they need? And you just make the roster and, and you play that role of GM. And it's fun. It's nerve-wracking because you're including yourself. But you try you try to work it so it's like oh yeah I'm, I I I have the edge, but you never know it's a, it's a total crapshoot at this point. So uh, no one unless you've been in that situation you have no idea how nerve wracking it is because you go to the rink and it's it's like a job interview every single day, and there's guys beside you who are doing that same job interview, and you're around each other all the time and you have to support each other and you just it's a the mental gymnastics that are happening right now in these kids heads it's it's some it's some stressful stuff tim you you couldn't handle it you especially you wouldn't be able to handle it <laughs> i'd be cut first day and be like oh thank god um <laughs> that was the worst <laughs> yeah uh yeah it's gotta be tough especially like you know like 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 the minnesota example if you don't make that team you're getting sent down to houston that's a thousand miles away and there's like a little all the life stuff that comes with that like it's not just making the team and having a dream come true it's the it's the money it's the travel it's the it's the the distance and then you travel further and more frequently as an ahl player and all this stuff and it's just completely lifestyle change and it's out of your hands
hands. I mean, you can work as hard as you can, but the decision's not in your hands, and that's going to be a pretty strange feeling. Well, you mentioned the life. It's literally your life. If I don't make a good impression that first camp, I don't make the NHL, and it changes your whole life. So it's huge. And for some of these guys, this is the first camp they'll ever have, the only camp they'll ever have, the closest they'll ever get to playing in the NHL. They might not even know it. Some guys know that they're a long shot, but like, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of players' livelihoods on the line this week, and it's still it's so different from like like a Pavelski this week. It's probably just another week. He's just getting his body ready, right? It's not, there's probably not much mental energy being devoted to this whole thing. But for guys on the fridge on the fringe, it's completely different. It's a completely different situation. Oh, it's massive. This, this is their whole life. This is what they trained for. A lot of these guys, most of them didn't go to college. So this is it. If they don't make this team, especially the guys who are the last year of their ELC, maybe a third round draft pick, if they don't make a name for them right now themselves, another team's not going to take a flyer on them. Why would they? There, there's no point. This is it. it it's so incredibly nerve wracking. I don't know. Especially guys who were in the first round. I remember playing... With, with guys who were drafted in the first round, like a, like a James Shepard, a Colton Gillies. These were high-end first-round draft picks by the Minnesota Wild. They were expected to, to do big things. The pressure that they had was insane. Like, James Shepard was drafted ninth overall by the Minnesota Wild in 2006. That was a good draft. And he, he didn't really have a good NHL career. I used to watch him and I go, Shep, man, like he would just stress himself out insanely because of the pressure that I'm, I, I, I do not envy those high end draft picks. It's almost nice to be like a fourth and fifth rounder because you go out and you, you're not expected to make the team. You go out and you just play. And, and it, you just, you just succeed. Like Shep was drafted. It went Backstrom, Phil Kessel. Okposa was in there, and then it was Shep. Guys drafted after him, like Giroux, Varlamov, Felino, good players, Grabner. So, I don't know. There, it's. I I don't wish it on anybody, but it also is a lot of fun because you're you're living, man. You're alive. So I don't. Know. Yeah, the adrenaline rush just must be pretty heavy too that whole week, yes. and then to finally make the team must have been quite a celebration. You know what I did. I fired up my DoorDash app, ordered a case of beer to my hotel room, and I just got blitzed. No, I didn't. But if I wanted to, I would use my DoorDash app. And I, I would have used promo code GLOVESDD US because I would have been at St. Paul. I would have had it delivered to the Holiday Inn right on the corner, right across the street from the XL Energy Center. That's where we stayed. The Liffey restaurant in the basement. It was good, but you can't eat it, can't eat it every day. So you use DoorDash. Use our promo code GLOVESDD if you're in Canada. GLOVESDD US if you're in the US of day. You get 25% off free delivery, and it's just a great company. You guys know I beat this drum all the time. Not because I have to, because I want to. I like DoorDash. You should use DoorDash. It's a good company, so check them out, please. All right, Tim. We've talked about the preseason pressure. We've talked about Jason Robertson. The season starts next week. We're going to be into the NHL action. I want, I want to do our predictions. I want to know three things from you. I want to know the division winners. I want to know who's going to be in the conference finals. And I want to know who's going to win the Stanley Cup, too. That's all I want to know from you. Because the season starts next week, like I said. We're not going to have time to go back and do all this and do the analysis. Maybe we missed a boat, but we wanted to talk about preseason stuff because I think it's interesting. Guys' lives are on the line right now. And that's that's no understatement. 
I know guys who didn't make the NHL. They go back to their hometown. They don't have a job. They don't have a college degree. They uh, we're gonna start a a hockey school. We're gonna do this and that. It, it's 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 an investment to be an NHL player. You have to really work at it. You spend your whole life trying to be an NHL player, and then when you don't make it, it's a tough pill to swallow. Even guys who do make it, and then they play for a few years, then they get out of the game. It's like, what do I do now? I don't have any really worthwhile skills to to make money with. What do I do? So it, it's a it's a lot. It's a lot going on right now for those players. So, anyways, predictions, Tim. Let's start with the first predictions. There's four divisions in the NHL. There is a Metro, but Metropolitan. What a stupid name. I don't like that name. It's called the Metro. The Atlantic, the Central, and the Pacific. Or as they called it that one year, the Honda, the... What were they? The, they sponsored all Discover, the Discover, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so bad. Who do you got winning each division, Tim? For the let's, Metro... Let's start with the Metro. Yeah, I have the New York Rangers winning this one. Wow. Just... Taking an, yeah, taking another big step. Shesterkin is the real deal, I think. And I like the players, those younger guys, Kako, Lafreniere, Hedl. I like those guys. Take another progression in their career. So, yeah, I think there will be a powerhouse. I agree. I think it's the Carolina Hurricanes or the Rangers. This is their division. I think the Penguins will take a step back. Washington is going to be garbage this year. The way they finished last year, based on the start that they had, they're a bad team. They're a bad team. Oh, she just got hurt. Ovechkin's going to get 10 goals top. So I will take the Rangers as well. I like that team. I think they're going to be the class of that division. All right, the Atlantic. A lot of, a lot of movers and shakers in this division this offseason. Yeah, I think most likely the four te- playoff teams from last year will be the same. Um, and I, my bold prediction was that Boston win, but I think most likely it's going to be Toronto. I think they're going to be really good this year. I think Tampa will take a minor step back, but they'll still be just as dangerous in the playoffs and probably still make the Eastern Conference Finals. And Florida is a lot of moving pieces, a lot of variables, so I think Toronto, is it's their division. Is everybody sleeping on Florida? Is that what's happening? Where the team won the President's Trophy last year, they bring in a Matthew Kachuk. I know they lose Huberto. Are we sleeping on this team? Well, you also lost Uyghur. Duclair yep. is out for is it like the whole season, right? I don't know. Yep. It's he's out for a while, and then I know they're still going to be a very good team. I just think Toronto will be better in the regular season. I agree. I feel like I'm a parrot now. I don't see Tampa Bay making up ground. Toronto, Toronto's good. I think they're going to struggle early. I think they'll get their act together. This could be the year for Toronto. I'm telling you. They got a good team. If they get that goaltending situation figured out, they could win around, Tim. They could win around. <laughs> All right, the Central. Should we just skip it to Colorado and move on? Yeah, I hate to pick the boring team. I'm like, how can I make an argument for these other teams? But no, it's Colorado. Minnesota's in cap hell. They're, they're not going to be a – they'll be good, but Colorado. It's Colorado. All right, the Pacific. This is a fun one. Who, who's it, who's it going to be in Alberta, Tim? Who are you taking? This is interesting because I, I read um, Frank's, Frank's bold prediction article and he had L.A. winning the division as one of his bold predictions, which I thought wow. was pretty bold. Um, I think it's going to be Edmonton. I really do. I think they're going to be really good this year, at least in the regular season. So, yeah, that that would be my pick. Deep kick, deep pick. I really want Vancouver to make the playoffs. I don't think it's going to happen, but Edmonton would be my division winner. That's a good pick. It's a good pick. I, I don't mind L.A., to, to be frank. They have a good team. They got a good goaltending duo, but it's Calgary. They got it Fiala, is. too. 
they have Fiala. They have a they have a good they have a good team. Friend of the show, show Brendan Lemieux. He's on, he's on that team. But I'm t- I'm taking Calgary. They had they had a tremendous offseason after it looked like they were all but done. They were they were in rebuilding zone for for a good month and a half. Then Brad traveling just went killing the offseason. We're making a trade. We're signing guys, and we're, they're they're back in it. They got Uyghur. They got they got Huberto. They got Kadri. They still have the just murderers row on defense. They got Markstrom. Hopefully Sutter is a little more smart with his time balance for Markstrom. It looked like he just wore out near the end of the season. So maybe he gives him a little more of a rest. All right. We got our division champions. Who's going to play in the conference finals? Now, it doesn't have to be division champions, Tim. Who's going to be in the Eastern Conference final and the Western Conference final? Um, I'm going to say in the East, it'll be Tampa and New York. Wow, Tampa, New York. Was that what it was last year? Yes. No, was it? I think it might have been. Yeah. I can't remember. I think I think it was Tampa for sure. All right, who who do you got in the West? <laughs> yeah, um Colorado and Minnesota. No, no no Alberta teams. No. Minnesota. No. Oh boy. All right. Well, in my yeah, in my in my Easter Conference final, I'm going Toronto. I I like myself some Toronto Maple Leafs, and I'm going to take Pittsburgh. Wow. Yeah, I know. I I think last year they just ran into some injuries like they usually do. I I, I like Pittsburgh. I I don't know. This is their last hurrah, though. This is it. This is their last year. That they're going to be of significance. Malkin's back. Latang's back. Crosby's back. They're running it back. I like Pittsburgh and Toronto. They're going to. This is it. Toronto. This is Toronto's year. And in the West, I'm going to the Pacific. Calgary, Edmonton. I, I did it during my bold predictions. I don't think it's that bold. I think they are two of the top three teams in the Western Conference. All right, we have that said. Who's your Stanley Cup final? Who's your Stanley Cup winner? Um, it's tough. I know it's tough. Yeah, uh, Colorado. New York, Colorado repeats. Okay, that's hard. It's boring. I know, but it's not boring, so good because I don't see. It. I think we're gonna have an all all Canada Stanley Cup final. I'm going Toronto, Calgary. Wow, and then an ultimate revenge tour. Nazim Kadri in the Calgary Flames win the Stanley Cup, and Kadri gets the Conn Smythe. Oh my gosh, you can't wow. write it any better in Toronto. <laughs> In Toronto, <laughs> that would be awesome. How 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 upset would the Leafs fans be if this does come to fruition? But I think Calgary was my pick last year. Calgary is my pick this year again. I like that team. Even after they got rid of their two top players, I still like this team. So I'm taking Calgary over Toronto. Who would have thought I picked Toronto to make Stanley Cup Finals? But they're going to get a goalie. They're going to be a good team. And I do think the East, for as much as the teams in the lower tier made a move. It's it's still uh, it's still Toronto's division. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week when the season starts. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.